Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Freedom Event brought to you by the Los Angeles Center Group of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is O. Ray. I'm a compulsive overeater and special events chair for the LAIG. Um, just a note, the speaker portion of these event is being recorded for the LAIG Virtual Speakers Bureau and will be made available at OALAIG.org within the week. Let's unmute ourselves and join in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So Zoom etiquette, we ask that you wear meeting-appropriate attire, avoid cooking, eating, or using the restroom on camera, etc. Believe it or not, we've had fellows that forget to, to put their camera on, uh, disable their camera, and actually go use the restroom, and we've seen it on camera, so... Anyway, additionally, please remain muted unless you have been selected to share and chat will be disabled during the meeting to limit crosstalk. However, you can message host if needed. Chat will be enabled at the conclusion of our meeting so that members can share phone numbers and other information. The theme of this event um, is inspired by the following quote from XXI or 21 um, in the big book. Um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. So each of our speakers, our four speakers, will share their experience, strength, and hope on the freedoms they've experienced in recovery. Speaker share. So it's time for our speakers in leading us off. Uh, to get this party started right with our first speaker will be Jason McGee. Jason, take it away, brother. All right, this picture is me. Um, this is actually December 2019. I'm at a chili cook-off. Um, I'm on the winter board there a couple times, but I placed third here. And um, that's actually five pounds under my top weight, which was, uh, which was 316. And... Um, on this other picture here. Sometimes I'll be smarter than the keyboard here. This picture is me this morning and those are the jeans I was wearing. It's the same size of jeans I was wearing in that other picture, if everybody can see that. So it's uh, pretty amazing, um, for, you know, for me to be able to see that picture. I still have some of that uh, body dysmorphia stuff when I'm, I'm folding my jeans and doing my laundry. I think I'm picking up my wife's jeans out of the closet and they're mine. You know, I, I still think that I'm getting, I'm that guy. You know, my clothes don't look right to me. Um, when I was at that weight, I was only focused from here up. You know, when I was brushing my teeth or shaving, I didn't see the rest. I had that disconnect. And in September and October of that year, I went to a, a trade event and went to another open house for one of my customers. And one of those pictures, I might still be up on our website under the contacts of me that big. You know, I was wearing a 3X polo shirt that was huge that I was maxing out. I probably needed a 4X 
those jeans in that picture were 40, 46 inch waist. Right now I wear 34s and on some of them, if I don't have a belt on, they're sliding down the back of what used to be my backside. Um, you know, I can touch my toes, I can see my toes. You know, I can, uh, I can tie my shoes. And um, I heard the music when, when I got here. I should say I heard the music again. Um, like a lot of us around here, I'm another A. Before I got here, um, my first exposure to 12 steps is in the beverage program. And I've been a member for over three decades and sober the whole time. And my way into OA was one of my, uh, one of my sober brothers heard one of our fellows here do a pitch at a meeting. And he mentioned his weight loss and his other stuff and invited anybody who had any questions to go up and talk to him. And my friend Tim did, and he gave me a call. And I don't know why when Tim told me he's about this meeting he was going to go to, I'm sitting there eating a horrific lunch and um, you know, countless vain attempts again. And I said, when is it and where is it? He told me where it was. It was this uh, bank building down on Ventura Boulevard in, uh, in Encino. And I knew where it was. And I said, do they validate parking? Are we going to carpool? I want to meet you there. And uh, it, was a, it was a men's book study, a little private type meeting there. And other than my mom, who's also a fellow, who got into her programs around the same time I got sober, um, I didn't really know anybody about, know anything about OA. And I met the guys there at that meeting. And they introduced me to the Focus on Permanent Recovery meeting in Studio City on Sunday mornings, which was my home group. So while I managed to land here in stick pretty quick, um, it took me 22 years and another fellowship to figure out that this was a disease and not a character defect. And you guys were kind and gentle enough to remind me that uh, that's great. What you know helped you earn this seat. We'll help you keep this seat, but you need to need to check some of that stuff at the door. And it was tough a little bit in the beginning, but I found a lot of freedom leaning into being a newcomer and knowing that I didn't know what I didn't know. And to be able to hear you folks talking and some of you still look like me a lot of you sounded like me on my best days but you guys had something i wanted and that was so much hope because you know i joke about it today without spell check i can't spell incomprehensible demoralization but i sure know how it feels you people welcomed me and you opened your arms and you opened your books and you shared with me um some of you We've been around the valley and some of the other places have attended or heard about the so reading workshops and that's the guys i fell in with um, the languaging was real important to me especially being an alcoholic and an addict that this was a substance abuse problem for me and food was my substance it was just another flavor it was another type of my ism in that um, i couldn't have just one of certain things so um, i thought it was all kind of bs you know, I remember my mom with her scale and gray sheet and stuff like that. And I wasn't going to come to an OA meeting and listen to a bunch of moms talk about their derelict sons and how we drove them crazy. You know, that was my contempt prior to investigation. When I got here, you know, you guys were talking about weighing and measuring and being accountable with our food and having a plan, you know, you know, the, the program gives us a whole lot of steps, you know, on how, how we can do this stuff, have a food plan, have a sponsor, go to meetings, be accountable all the tools we get a recovery. And I thought it was just gonna be, it was just gonna crush me and it didn't. Something as simple as sending my food commitments to my sponsor the night before, or at least first thing in the morning, freed up so much headspace. You know, some of you have experienced it. I can't even tell you how much quieter my head got. You know, it gotten to the point where I was crazy again and I did not have names for the chaos going on in my head. 
you know, whatever demons were running around, I couldn't even name them. And uh, you guys helped me put those names on those again. You know, it was fear. You know, so whatever my character defects were screwing me up at that time. And I wanted to believe that if I could put the food down, a lot of that crazy stuff would go away. And it happened. You guys told me it would, and it did. Um, I weigh and measure stuff. I didn't in the very beginning, but you know, my abstinence is three plates a day, two snacks, stuff's weighed and measured, and I've got a whole food plan of my alcoholic and non-alcoholic foods. Because that, that language still resonates with me. I mentioned that. So it's either it's either on my list or it's not. And when in doubt, I don't. And I don't make any unilateral changes around my food either. And that's actually transferred over to some other stuff in my life too. So I could be that bull in the China shop. You know, uh, I've been I've been with my, my wife for 30 years. I've been married for 28. And sometimes I could be a bully and steamroll stuff or just make these decisions outside of food and anything else. That was a concept that's brought me a lot of freedom and you know made my marriage better. Asking for help. And I'm a guy. I don't ask for directions. I don't even want to put my navigation. I can get there. I can do this. You know, my, my physician taught me the words that uh, anybody in recovery knows, but especially guys. I've got this and maybe it'll go away. Problem is, as an addict, I get to F this. I'll go F this and then I'm off and running and I'm eating. And, and you know, taking the rat poison over the resentment and burning all that energy up. I don't have to do that today don't have to live that way today. My body, you know, I, um, back in 2015, I had a really bad run with diverticulitis and I was looking at possibly having surgery and maybe ending up with an ostomy bag for the rest of my life. I managed to lose 20 pounds trying to heal up from that. And I got out of the hospital at 270. 2019, I got here at 316. With that hanging over my head, the uh, valve at the top of my stomach, and, and the diverticulitis is not caused by my eating, but my eating was definitely making it 10 times worse. Some of the damage I did to my body is the valve at the top of my stomach's weak from all the binging and everything else and the acid reflux and all that crazy stuff. And that stuff's pretty much gone. I had a flare up this, you know, this past week, but I haven't had a flare up in years. That stuff's gone away. I have sleep apnea. I did before, but it's so much better now. I can sleep now. I can move now. Um, you know, I got to shop for new clothes. There was a weird freedom in that, that I've had to get rid of almost everything in my wardrobe. I did keep that one pair of jeans just as that reminder. But um, meetings, service, having those commitments, um, that stuff frees up my head and it frees up my soul. I feel clean inside. I feel connected now. When I'm on the beam, I'm on the beam. And when I fall off, I know what I need to do because you folks taught me. You have two minutes, Jason. Awesome. Thanks, Katie. So... You know, if anybody's new or anybody's coming back, just just stay here. You know, it took me a while to get here, but I've been able to stay here. And you people have encouraged me. And for all of you that were here ahead of me, and for my mom, um, thank you guys for having a place ready for me to come. Um, little story on my mom, about my mom that uh, she says I, I'm allowed to share. Um, she had so much guilt and shame when she got here. Um, her name's Patricia, she goes by Patty. And for her two, first two years in recovery and meetings, her name was Frida. And she was Frida on the phone list because she had that much guilt and shame about what was going on. And um, I don't feel the guilt and shame over my body. I've made my amends to the best of my ability. And um, I can go anywhere. I'm going to a 
Fourth of July barbecue at some dear friends of ours this afternoon. Getting in the pool, I'm going to be wearing a swim shirt, partly because I'm a hairy mammal and partly because I've got some large, you know, I've got some loose skin. I'm going in the water. Last year, Fourth of July was the first time I've been in the pool in 12 years. So I'm digging Fourth of July. I'm so happy to be part of this event, see all these people. Thank you so much for letting me participate. I owe my abstinence to you guys. God bless you. Thank you, Jason McGee. Thank you so much, brother, for coming out and happy July 4th and enjoy your Freedom Day, brother. So our next speaker, heard about her far and wide. She has one of the strongest recoveries that I know of. And that's Tina S. From the East Coast. Tina, why don't you meet yourself? Thanks so much, Ray. I'm Tina, a recovered compulsive eater anorexic, and I'm, I live in Florida. Wow. How would you like your time? Uh, Two-minute warning, please, Katie. That would be great. Okay. Uh, and thanks so much, Jason. Wow, what a gift. What a gift. It's a gift to speak in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. It just is. You know, my abstinence date is uh, July the 5th, 1999. And so tomorrow I'll celebrate 23 years. And I get very emotional because... I remember this day 23 years ago, and I too am in another program. And I was at a bar, I was at a pool party in 1999 on July the 4th. And uh, let me just tell you, I was not free. I was not free. You know, my history is I'm a compulsive eater and anorexic. My high weight, I'm 5'4, my high weight is 160 pounds, and, and I, my low weight is 90. You know, today I'm normal weight, and I have been for, um, 20, 22 years and that's just amazing and that is very freeing and you know I love what was talked about you know today I don't have to do those things that I used to do and it's because of you all you know all I need to do is to suit up and show up and do the next right thing you know and one of the things that I do is I have a sponsor who has a sponsor I sponsor people who sponsor people who sponsor people you know and that is giving this thing away you know, because I was so free, it was so freely given to me. And those words are just miraculous because I was never free in the disease of food addiction. You know, and I too, like I said, I'm in another program and I was seven years sober in Alcoholics Anonymous when I got here. And let me just tell you, I was dying from this food deal. You know, people thought I had AIDS, they thought I had cancer, you know, because they see me come into one program at a normal weight. Most of my life, I've been able to maintain a normal weight, but not by normal um, uh, actions for sure. You know, <laughs> I was either starving or I was binging or I was taking some, you know, drugs or doing some diuretics or some X, like whatever it was. You know, and one of the things that I know today is those. What I do today is, you know, I have a power greater than myself that does for me what I cannot do for myself, but I certainly have to do for myself what I can, you know, and like I said, you know, I have a sponsor, but I also have a food plan and I commit my food plan daily, whether I want to or not, you know, and, and that's another thing, you know, that I was told when I got here, Tina, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It matters what you actually do. You know, and so today I have that freedom to work in the 12 steps of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, and um, and I remember back in uh, on July fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, like I said, it was at this uh, pool party, and you know, being in another program, they don't 
have any restrictions on foods. Let me just tell you, there was all kind of food all over the place. You know, and at this point in my recovery, I was actually in my anorexic phase. So I, I was afraid to eat. And, you know, it, I was so far removed from that being because I can remember thinking to myself, I wasn't always like this. So it was like I was looking at looking from the outside in, you know, and like a person that I didn't know who I was. And um, so I was afraid to eat. So I wasn't eating most of the time. But let me tell you, when I put my alcoholic foods in my body, which were at that point, sweets or, you know, fatty stuff, I could not stop, you know, and it didn't always mean that I did that I had to eat, but I could not stop the the thought process. I could not stop thinking about the food. You know, I wasn't able to be present with anybody at that party. You know, and I remember all the people that, you know, in the, the fellowship who, um, who most of them I know today, you know, see a different person. You know, they tell me that I am so different. And it's, you know, such a, a gift, you know, because not everybody gets this thing, you know. But I am so privileged and honored to, to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous that it's my responsibility to help somebody else, you know, to give away what was so freely given to me. You know, and what I say is, you know, I came in here and only with the food plan and only with the sponsor is not going to keep me absent. Now, this is my experience. I had to work the 12 steps. I had to have a spiritual awakening. I had to have a transformation of this person to be somebody different. And that's the only way that I'm a different person today. And that's the only way that I'm free today. You know, I'm also going to out this afternoon and I would never be able, I, I never wanted to do any of that stuff when I was in my disease, whether I was eating the food or not eating it. I was such, I had such a small world, you know, and today I have, I have such a huge family in both fellowships, you know, I meet people all over the world in these rooms and I am so gifted, you know, by you all. It's such a gift to know you, you know, and to hear your experience, strength, and hope, and, and to be a part of today. I was never a part of. I was always a part from, you know, and um, Overeaters Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And, you know, and I'll say this. When I came in and people, I heard people say that, and I thought, ah, they're, you know, they're blowing smoke. And I really did believe that you were all bullshit. No, you were all just kidding me. You were all lying to me. That's what I thought. You know, and so when I say that today, it's it's with joy because I think this is the truth. This is the actual truth here. You know, I live a life today beyond my wildest dreams if I continue to do what I'm doing. You know, because I've had so many friends in these rooms that have been so free and so happy, joyous, and free, and today are back in the disease. You know, so what I do know is what I got is one day at a time. Doing today what I did yesterday you know, and being of service, you know, like I said, following a food plan, helping somebody else. You know, you know I have, I, I am fortunate for the last five years, I've been able to work from home, which is, is a gift, you know. And so therefore, you know, instead of spending time traveling to my job, I have that time in the morning to connect with the power greater than myself, which is just beautiful. And, and I would have never, ever thought that because I didn't come here to get spiritual. I didn't come here to make friends. I didn't come here for any of that kind of stuff. I came here so the crap would quit happening between my ears, you know, because that's all that was going on. All I could think about was food. If I was going to get it or if I got it, how I was going to get rid of it. And, you know, me, 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 you know, self-centered to the extreme, you know, and I still can be that today. You know, I still have character defects and thank you, God, you know, because then I have, I still have me to work on, 
every day, one day at a time, you know, and I, it's just been a gift. And, you know, I, I was trying to think earlier, you know, when Ore, he told me, you know, the topic and I was like, oh, freedom, because that's just fabulous, you know, and I tried to think about what to say. And, and finally, I was just like, I have no clue what I'm going to say. And I prayed before we got on the meeting here today. And so what I, and I don't even know what I'm saying now. I just know that I am speaking because I asked God to show me what I can do to help somebody else in the meeting of Overeaters Anonymous today. And, you know, so I suit up and I show up. And, you know, and one and a, th- a funny thing about my speaking is uh, my brother, he's also in, in another program. And, uh, you know, I, I when I first got here, I didn't talk, you know, because I, I didn't know how, I just didn't know how to communicate with people. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. I never learned that stuff, you know? And so today my brother said, yeah, she didn't talk then, but now she don't shut up. And that's the truth. You know? <laughs> and I'm just so happy that I can be a part of today, that I can have friends, that I can be a friend. You know, I, I've always had friends in my life, but I was it was hard for me to be a friend. And today I can do that. I can have relationships. You know, I've been in a relationship for this year and up oh, in a couple of weeks, it'll be 20 years. And oh, that is just a miracle. It's miraculous, you know, and uh, it's just been a gift. It's been a pleasure. It's, uh, you know, with all the freedom that I have today, I can do and be so many different things that I never could do or be before. And uh, with the help of a higher power, I'm with you all my life. You know, I continue to be free. I continue to get what I'm getting. So, you know, I'm, I've always been a person of more. And I want more, so I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing. And, you know, I don't know if it's been 15 minutes, but I'm really, that's not all I've got to share. I'm just really honored and privileged to be at a meeting of Overreach Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tina. We appreciate you. Thank you for bringing that message of freedom in recovery. And, yeah, I knew you were going to just deliver a potent message, and you did. And you didn't make it to 13 minutes, but it was a potent message, believe me. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, our next speaker, and for the record, you don't actually have to go the full, I mean, you, that's that's perfectly all right. We're not, you know, putting your feet to the flame here. You got to share for an exact time. We're going to go ahead and take a little brief intermission. We will now observe the seven tradition. The LA Intergroup suggests that you continue to contribute as we still have operating expenses, including rent for the OA office, and the subscription cost of this Zoom service. Please go to www.donate.oalaig.org for a direct link to our PayPal. Somebody's gonna go ahead and post that in the chat. Um, to our direct PayPal account, any amount is accepted and appreciated. If you're joining us from outside of Los Angeles area, we encourage you to donate to the intergroup that supports your local fellowship. And so again, that link is donate.oalaig.org. And our next speaker, just to let you just to let you know, this is an international event, is not American. You'll, you'll hear by the accent, she's not American at all. But she has the freedom just the same. And uh, freedom extends across all the world. And as we know from the big book, this message is all across the world, translated in so many different languages. So Rita Q is our third speaker, and uh, I am honored to have her here speaking for us today. Thank you, Rita. Thanks so much, Ari, and thank you so much for asking me to come and speak. My name is Rita Q. I am very grateful, recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. 
So um, I wasn't sure what to speak about either, like Tina, and uh, thanks so much. What a, what a panel, Jason and Tina, that was amazing. And I love what you mentioned about, you know, me. It was always me, me, me to the tune of I, I, I all the time before when I was in the food. And OA have actually brought out a new little pamphlet called The Twelve Freedoms. So I thought, you know what, why don't I just talk my story through that? So just a quick part of history. I couldn't stop eating. I ate like Bill drank. I am telling you now. And I always was a compulsive overeater, except I didn't know it. I just thought I was a greedy bugger. Excuse my French. Uh, it's an international meeting. Um, I was like, I, couldn't, I just couldn't stop eating. And I could not see what the food was doing to me, just what it was doing for me, because I just wanted to eat to satiate those feelings. And you know, the, the quote in the doctor's opinion really sums up my life. Rita Q drank because she liked the effect produced by her alcoholic foods. And although she knew it was injurious eventually, she couldn't after a time differentiate the truth from the false. You know, Rita Q's compulsive overeating life seemed the only normal one. I would have chewed a wasp to get a buzz. That was me all over from an early age. Do you know what I mean? I just wanted that hit that effect and the thing is and that, that quote says is a sense of ease and comfort there's no ease and comfort you can just see it lurking in the background you know it's just a sense it's like a smell that when somebody walk you know walks past you and i too prayed as well again for what am i going to speak about i'll speak about the freedoms but what am i really going to speak about and i was looking up a little quote from one of my old daily readers that i remembered and i have to show you this this receipt fell out i was in relapse this receipt is basically crisps, uh, potato chips, as you guys call biscuits, chocolate, and a pint of milk. That sums up my relapse, you know? So for me, I basically came into away 2003. I got I got it straight away, almost. I, I, started, I started gradually. It didn't have the renaissance that it did now. You know, the, 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 you know, the um, I think it's gone epic now, the Zoom and everything, but I, I thought I'll just get three meals a day. Uh, nothing in between. I didn't really work out my alcoholic foods properly, um, and it wasn't under it wasn't until I fully understood the phenomenon of craving and the mental twist did I really get it. But anyway, I couldn't. You know, I came in, got three meals a day, worked the steps, and did get recovery for a good five or six years. And then that lurking notion I talked about in page thirty-three, it went down the pan. I was on a flight from LA to Vegas to LA on my honeymoon. We were traveling the world, and I picked something up, and I didn't. I didn't start eating like mad again, but that noise started, and we all know the noise. You know when you're trying to tune in the old-fashioned radios and you can hear the which is the disease? That started again. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, I can't quite hear the tune. Higher power. Couldn't quite hear what they were trying to transmit. Higher power, because I was blocking them. And then by the time I got to Thailand, Hong Kong, I was uh, I was eating. And I just, I'll share my photos then just to... Um, show you some of my pictures. So that's me top left on my wedding day, just before I lost my abstinence. The middle one is me in Hong Kong. At that stage, everything, because we're on honeymoon, every single um, hotel we stayed in, um, put, put something on our bed to eat, and it was like, oh, come on. That one's me during stage four cancer, during relapse. The one in the red is just before I came back. The one with my hands in my head basically sums up relapse to me. It's me having a really, I think I was having my fifth bout of sepsis. I had nine bouts of sepsis. And that's basically sums up recovery. And that's me in my sober AF hat. And that other one is me today, more or less. So let me set, let me tell you just quickly how it happened. So number one, in the 12 freedoms of OA, the freedom from the obsession with food. I couldn't stop thinking about food. It wasn't until that was arrested. And it all freedom can only come from acceptance and surrender. That's the only way I'm, I was going to get freedom. And then my first, like I said, my first 
Barton away was good. I came back then after about five or six years of complete eating as much as I could. It was no, it, I put on, I'd lost 140 pounds the first time and I could put on something like 160. My mom dropped dead, my dad dropped dead. There's always a reason to eat, by the way. Breathing was enough reason for me to eat. Opening my eyes in the morning was enough reason to me, for me to eat. And then I got um, stage four cancer and all bets were off. I couldn't even control what I was eating at that stage. And they loved me in the hospital because I was a right entertainer. I'm a bugger for entertaining people. And, you know, I'm, you know, making people laugh. And, you know, that was because I just thought I'm not going, I'm not going down that cancer tunnel. I just don't want to do it. I, you know, I was fighting for my life. And I thought I'm going to go down happy, joyous and free. Well, I wasn't free, but I was going to go down happy and joyous. And um, I started eating. But anyway, I had a massive spiritual awakening. I was in the bath in hospital because my bone marrow pain was terrific and I was praying to God. And I let the bath water out. Now, for those of you who got up to what I did, 380 pounds, that was a wrecking mistake as a big woman. I pulled the bath, the bath water went and I thought, I can't get out of the bath. I wasn't stuck. I had no energy. I just had no energy because I was so ill from the cancer and the sepsis. I pulled the cord, or there's a cord that you can pull to get the nurses to come in. I thought, I can't pull the cord. They're never going to be able to lift me. And I just started to cry. I didn't cry a lot and started to cry. And I heard God say, you need to go back to away. And I thought, oh, for me. Age 62, we have to have God's help. This is the high and the way of it. And I thought, And I thought, I had to stop playing God. And I thought, yeah, you're right. But I've got to get out of the bath first, God. So could you help me on that one? And I eventually rolled over my front. That took about three hours. But anyway, I got out of the bath. Once I got out of my wheelchair a week later, I was, I went back to away. I haven't looked back since I've been recovered since then and there's been nothing short of a miracle. So let's go on. The freedom from obsession with food, that is honesty. This is the only step I had to do with rigorous, rigorous honesty. If I get step one wrong, the rest of steps. This is the only one I have to do perfectly. The rest are just ideals. And then step two, it talks about freedom from insanity and hopelessness. I was bonkers around food, bonkers. I would go out with my husband and I'd be like, I'd be like a member of the CIA. What do you mean you're not having a dessert? Why aren't you having a dessert? You know, what's wrong with you? You know, why can't you have a dessert? We'll share one. I mean, I was lying. There was no way he was going to share it. It was going to turn into the Titanic where the dessert would slip over to my side automatically. There was no, you know, that was going to happen. So that was the freedom from insanity. The spiritual principle of step one is honesty, but two is hope. I can hear the hope coming in now, you know? Uh, the freedom from a sound that's incredible because like, I couldn't I was hopeless when it came to food I, you know and I am powerless over alcoholic my alcoholic foods but I you know I'm not helpless and that's why I work the steps every single day and then we get on to step three step three to me it says freedom from the bondage yourself that's what step three prayer I offer myself today to build me and do with me as I will because before I said, God, would I tell you how today's going to go? You know, I don't do that anymore. When I wake up in the morning, first thing I do before I have a week is I say to God, take this day from me. I have to say it. I don't sit like Gandhi for two and a half hours because I can't, because I always have to pee first thing in the morning. But I hand the day over before my feet hits the ground. I have to, because I have to do that process where I push it out to God, because otherwise I'll just try and be God. You know, and I, step three is really key for me. I just want to share the arch to freedom. I want to talk about that briefly. That's the keystone. The keystone to me is step three. You know, and without that, we can't, without the other steps, the keystone won't stay up. You know, our foundation is willingness through despair. It's only a, it's only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than ourselves. And then, you know, you see the cornerstone. You know, it's belief through hope and we agnostics. Do I now believe or I'm even willing to believe? It doesn't ask you to become a born-again Christian. It doesn't say you have to throw, you know, put on an orange cape and run around talking about Jesus. No, you just got to be willing that something outside of yourself is going to take this away, this madness, you know. And then we've got the path. 
which is four through nine, freedom through action. You know, four through nine, we're talking about restitution, action steps. And it is a program of action, simple, but not easy. So the fourth freedom they talk about is freedom from dishonesty. You know, step four, God, I've just gone through the steps again as a wee refresher. I just, you know, it's my life's work. I'll just keep doing them. And this four and five has been a big one. It's over one particular thing. I've just really flushed it out. And I hadn't picked up food or anything, but I, you know, I just, I was getting irritable, restless and discontent again. I was kind of looking sideways at my husband. I thought it's not a good look. So four, freedom from dishonesty. Five, freedom from isolation. Admitting my faults. Where was that wrong? You know, four and five are courage and integrity. You know, I have got to clear myself out because anything, everything I feed grows. You feed a plant, it grows. I feed my disease, it'll grow. But everything I starve dies. And I have to feed my recovery. I hear a lot in the rooms, people going, oh, my disease is outside doing press-ups. Let me tell you, my disease had gone to the Olympics. It was, the fa- it was faster than Usain Bolt. It could outrun anything. So my recovery's got to be doing the same. Um, and then six, freedom for running the show. I love running the show. I love being the actor. And, um, you know, when I do the steps and responses, I get them to read that part. Am I the actor trying to run the show and put your name in? You know, my broken brain can't fix my broken brain. And, you know, I always say to people, because of my relapse, when I was in relapse, 50% of my head told me lies and the other 50% believed it. That's the way it goes for me. That's the way the disease goes. You know, alcohol was my master. Food was my master. It stopped working as well. The brief moments I had to eat so much to get it working, you know. And then we go on to seven, freedom from self-reliance. I was no longer having to run the show. I could let go. Freedom from the bondage itself. I had to give this to God. God has to, and I, I have to let him do everything. You know, on page 122 in the AA 12, and 12 it says, when, I have to read this because I don't want to get it wrong. When with God's help, we calmly accepted our lot. Then we found we could live at peace with ourselves and show others the same fears that they could get over them too. We found that freedom from fear was more than important than freedom from want. So it's not about getting what I want anymore. It's about wanting what I have, wanting the recovery that I have. I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower. I do the steps every day, you know. I wake up, like I said, and I give it to God. You know, because at night I have eight, eight hours, if I'm lucky, because I'm a bad sleeper, but eight hours of untreated disease. So when I wake up again, that jacket, jack in the box is out of the box again. I'm like, really? Are you here again? You know? Freedom from, eight, freedom from blame and eight and nine, freedom from fear of people, eight and nine, you know, I have to keep my side of the street clean. You know, no matter what people have done to me, I have to own my part in that. You know, I have a very difficult situation with, with a family member and some things have been said on their part, but but I have not responded well either. I've probably behaved churlishly or whatever way I've behaved. I have to own that. I have to own anything I do wrong because that's going to that's gonna keep me in self if I don't, you know? It's always going to be about what people do to me. You know, that three fingers pointing back at you when you're pointing the finger. Nine, freedom from fear of people, I'd say. That's, you know, going to make amends. You know, I can't be responsible for how they take it. I could just say where I went wrong. That's all. And, you know, any feedback. And whatever, they, however they do do that, that's up, that's up to them. But it's up to God to direct me, you know? 10, freedom from complacency. I have got to stay on my step 10. So some days, let me tell you, some days my arm is broken from writing because I, I haven't done something or I haven't connected with God. And some days it's just beautiful and there's so much, so much quiet and peace. 
but it's a daily reprieve and I have to remember that I've got to work on that you know I am sure the family afterwards somebody's quoted that already on page 133 I'm sure God wants us to be happy joyous and free I know he does I know he does because I experience that every day but sometimes I get a bit irritable you know you know certain political things that have happened recently Those things three, minutes me left, Rita. three minutes left thanks perfect thank you so much you know and I have to let that go and trust God's got this because Rhea doesn't got hasn't got this you know I just can't so then 11 freedom from loneliness I've got God now you know no matter what happens in my life now and it's like I said earlier people can t- tell me I had a person ringing me the other day and they said I'm eating because of this I'm eating because of that no you're eating because you're an addict we're we're addicts you know there'll always be excuse to eat and like I said taking my first breath in the morning that's enough to make me eat and step 12, freedom from the lack of purpose. I can't tell you the joy I get from sponsoring. It's amazing. Working with others is a foundation stone of our recovery. And I just want to show you another wee slide that shows the bedevilments that I lived in until I got recovery and up against. I've shown this before, but I think it's so important. On the left-hand side was Rita at 380 pounds. That was me. I was having trouble with personal relationships. I couldn't control my nature. I was a prey to misery and depression. I couldn't make a lot. Well, I couldn't make a living, but I was feeling use, feeling of uselessness, uselessness, fear, and I was unhappy. And then look at what happened. I want to help other people. Myself seeking and slipped away. I know serenity now. I know what it's like to put my head in the pillow. My attitude and output, you know, no one. I ask myself a question every night before I do my step 10, 11, and 12. And what was it like, or 10, 11? What was it like living with me today? You know, my attitude upon it, like, on life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. Most of the time, that's true. I do. That's a bit of an Achilles heel sometimes. Self pity will disappear. Yeah. And I intuitively know how to handle situations with baffles. I'm going to need a new freedom and happiness. Yep. I definitely do. And no matter how far the scale, up, up, down the scale or up the scale in my case, I went, I can experience, my experience can benefit others, you know. And I'll suddenly realize God is doing for me what we couldn't do for myself. And, um, you know, I'm going to finish on uh, one uh, one of one last um, stories, but I just wanted to say for me, this has been amazing. I'm really grateful I nearly died of cancer. I'm cancer free, by the way, which is a friggin' miracle because it was stage four. But I am so grateful that I had the cancer. I'm grateful for the nine bouts of sepsis because every single time I learned something about my disease, everything that has happened to me in my life, I have learned something about the disease and that has brought me here today. Not, you know, it's just amazing being a scholar of this book, being a scholar of, of the steps. I just love it because it's my life's work. I was able to retire. I was able to um, do things. You know, I can, I can give a lot of time to this because I wake up in the morning and say, please, at night, say thank you. And in between, I try and help a fellow suffering compulsive reader. And I want to finish in the story. It's one of one laws, or I think it's one laws, freedom from, freedom from the bondage, the story is. And it says, it worked for me then. I'm going to cry sorry it worked for me then it's worked for me many times since and it will work for me every time i'm willing to work it sometimes i have to ask for the willingness but it too always comes and because it works for me it will work for all of us as another great man says only freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you have to do because you want to do it you know and this life is amazing it's an amazing life and we are so lucky, you know. I have a book up there and on my shelf and it's called We Are the Luckiest and I fully believe that. I'm so grateful for this disease. 
and there's not a day now I regret any of it and I'm just so glad to be asked to them I'm very moved and I love you all there's so many people on this line that have been foundation Sorry. stones in my recovery and I will finish there thank you again and thanks for asking me to be here thank you Rita that was a mic dropper for sure